welcome to the College Football Bros. The old intro is back, folks. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right, we are back with an audio-only podcast, and before we review week zero and make our picks for week one got to announce our against the spread pick'em league so we'll be doing it on espn.com this year there's going to be 10 games per week and you can find the link to join at collegefootballbros.com slash pick'em so that's p-i-c-k-e-m and we will also tweet out a link to the league on twitter at cfb bros so follow us there and be sure to join the league and if you do miss one week this year, we're going to drop the lowest scoring week. So you're not out of it if you, you forget to enter your picks. Uh, but Trey, why don't you give us a, just a brief week zero recap? We would like it as Nebraska fans to be yes. as brief as humanly possible. It didn't happen. Yeah, because personally, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really even want to talk about week zero. Uh, it's not even a real week. Uh, no. there, were, there, were many, there were many moments actually this, this weekend where I actually wondered if I liked college football anymore but uh, of course I'm I'm leading off with Nebraska falling on the road to Illinois uh if you know if you've watched just about any Nebraska game over the past few years this game followed pretty much the exact same script where you're watching the game thinking they should be winning you look at the scoreboard and what do you know they're losing um kind of that same theme of the pathetic special teams awful timing of turnovers penalties some inconsistent play uh, but but credit to Illinois, Bielema in his first game, he was able to muck it up, get a conference win, uh, you know, in his first first game, thanks to none other than Rutgers transfer Art Sitkowski, who yeah, uh, was filling in for up. Brandon Peters, who who got hurt. So uh, so yeah, obviously the the talk this week has been Frost and Nebraska. What uh, what are your guys' thoughts after one game? Oh boy, oh boy, it's over. The Frost era is officially <laughs> it's, it's officially done. It's wow. done. There's no hope for him. I really have zero hope, and I I really don't foresee a po- possible path. It has been so bad. There has been not been any positive momentum. It's going in the complete wrong direction. Illinois was supposedly the worst team in the Big Ten West, and we looked terrible against them. We couldn't move the ball, couldn't throw it, couldn't run it. It was just pathetic. Uh, coaching staff seems in over their head. Frost is just seems like he's getting really, really short with the media. There's just a lot of toxic stuff going on right now in that program, and I don't think he's going to last uh, till next year. I don't feel quite as strongly as you do. Obviously, it's possible that he gets fired this year. But uh, the $20 million buyout is the one kind of factor that maybe gives him yeah. a little bit of, of a chance. I think they're going to try to work around that one. Yeah, maybe they'll try and get the that NCAA reduced. investigations right now. And, you know, it's there's... So the- the in- investigation is so hey, light. Other though. stuff's gonna come out. I'm telling you, man. There's just, <laughs> it, I'm feel there's. It's just so bad. Everybody seems to hate him inside the, that that department right now. Nobody wow. seems to like for us. Wow. You know, I am not giving up I'm quite not as, as much as you. Obviously, yeah, it was very no, bad, yeah. and it's the these three Done. years plus one game have been very bad. But I can't just throw in the towel on the season nah. after one game. Uh, I know it's it's not looking good, but uh, I'll wait for a few more losses to to get to the yeah, point coming. you're at. They're coming. <laughs> They're coming. They're, they are. They are I'll coming. Welcome yeah. you. I'll I mean, welcome right now you. the ceiling is kind of. I mean, the absolute ceiling is six and six. Obviously, that is yes. unlikely. But uh, if he gets to five and seven, maybe he's got a shot to keep his job. We'll see. Yeah. Not, not happening. Well, anyways, Ryan, your 
<laughs> Ryan's closed-minded with this. He's, he's, hey, I went he's, under on him this year, baby, so I told you. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over yet. All right. <laughs> so uh, back to the rest of Week Zero. There wasn't much. Um, the other few games were kind of mismatches, but Chip Kelly's Bruins, uh, they gave it to Hawaii in front of what looked like 100 fans in the in the Rose Bowl. But Oof. but but they looked they looked good behind Michigan transfer running back Zach Charbonnet. He had 106 yards on only six carries and with three touchdowns. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention is UConn is still god awful. Fresno mm-hmm. rolled them 45 nothing in extreme heat, and and there were actually cleats that were literally melting in that that game. Yeah, I'm, that was like dangerous. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> so hot. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to week one. Let's turn the page here, and we will start with Thursday. We've got Boise State at UCF. The yeah. Knights are favored five. Really good game here. What do you think, Ryan? Uh, awesome game. Uh, one of the best games of the weekend. L- really looking forward to this. Glad it's on a Thursday so it doesn't get kind of lost in the, the uh, shuffle of all the other kind of big games on Saturday. Um, I like Boise here. They're, they're littered with experience on both sides of the ball. Hank Bachmeyer won the Q- QB job, which I think is a good sign. It means he beat out Jack Sears, who had good moments last year, actually, at QB. So I think it's a good sign that Bachmeyer won, and he's got a good receiver to throw to in Khalil Shakir. Uh, George Halani, I think, is the key. He's the running back that missed pretty much the entire year last year um, after being a 1,000-yard rusher the year before. He's back healthy along with the all the, the offensive line. So I think you know the defense is still going to be good. they got a lot of pieces. Um, Shane Irwin is a there's a good piece at DN. He had six sacks in seven games last year. So I think a big senior year is coming for him. Uh, I just don't think this team's in a, you know going to get blown out or anything. I mean, I don't think UCF is going to be able to handle them very easily. I see it being a tight, contested game between two really good teams, and I think it'll go down to the end. So I'm going to take that that five points with Boise. Yeah, and it's, it's also intriguing just because we're getting two new head coaches at two of the premier group of five schools. Uh, Boise's Avalos, he, he knows that he's going to get need to get the most out of his pass defense going up against Dylan Gabriel. Uh, cause when you look at last year, they struggled against the better pass de- pass offenses that they faced, including their final game. They gave up 450 yards to San Jose state in the, in the conference title. But, um, but we, but at the same time, we don't really know how Gus Malzahn is going to run, run this offense. If he's going to be as pass heavy as, as Hypo was, but, uh, Ultimately, I know Boise has to deal with that Florida humidity, but I'm going to take the Broncos. Uh, UCF's defense was pretty dreadful last year. I could see Bachmeyer slinging it to one of the best receivers out, receivers out there, Khalil Shakir for, for Boise. Uh, probably going to be a shootout, so I'm just going to take the five points. We are all in agreement. I mean, this I do like UCF this year, but I, I yeah. have that same question. What is Malzahn's offense going to look like with Dylan Gabriel? I wish I would feel even better if he just said, I'm just going to keep the same offense Hypo was running because we saw that yeah. work yeah. great. But uh, that's what I'm kind of looking for in this game. But yeah, I'm, I'm taking five points with a good Boise team. Cool. Uh, moving on to our next game here. It's a big one. Uh, still on that Thursday, we got Ohio State was favored 14 uh, at Minnesota. So Trey, what are you, uh, what are you thinking uh, in this game? I'm going to actually take the Gophers with the the 14 there. Uh, they return, return the most players in the conference. And if I feel like if you're going to play Ohio State, might as well be week one. Because uh, I'm curious how the Buckeyes offense looks early on. I, you know, I'm not saying they're going to struggle because they, they won't. Uh, they have ridiculous weapons, which are well documented. But it's C.J. Stroud's first action, replacing Justin Fields, a conference road game. 
you know, and on the other side, the glaring weakness of the Buckeyes last year was the defense, and they'll get to see if it's improved right away. The Gophers, led by Tanner Morgan, I think he's going to have a bounce back year, look more like 2019, because uh, last year, I guess his dad was dealing with some health issues, didn't have as, as solid of a season. Uh, they also have running back Muhammad Ibrahim, the be- best Big Ten back, I would say, last year. So I could see the Gophers scoring enough to to keep it within the two scores. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this game. I'm I'm going to go the other way though. I will lay the points with Ohio State just because I'm on the record. I am just betting on Ohio State to have the best offense in the country right away. I know C.J. Stroud hasn't thrown a pass in college yet, but uh, I'm just I'm betting on Ryan Day. He he always gets yeah. great quarterback play. I do, I do think that Minnesota will be much improved this year. I agree with you there. They had such bad injury and COVID luck last year. Um, but I'm not sure if they're built to take advantage fully of that potential weakness in the secondary of Ohio State, especially with Chris Ottman-Bell, their their best receiver, questionable uh, right now. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Michael. I think Ohio State's just too good. They have uh, This game kind of reminds me of there was another game like this. Maybe it was a couple years back when Ohio State opened at Indiana. And you thought, oh, maybe Indiana can give them a game. And Ohio State just destroyed him. Ohio State's just on another level. I, I'm, I'm with Michael. I think Minnesota's going to be solid this year. They'll improve. But Ohio State is just two touchdowns. Stay within them. Is, that's hard to do. Uh, so I'm not going to bet against that. All right. Moving on to Friday night. Very intriguing ACC game. We get North Carolina minus five and a half at Virginia Tech. Michael, what are you seeing? Gosh, this weekend is just loaded. This is crazy. But... uh so my I'm I'm going with um, Virginia Tech. My so my biggest issue with them this year is depth. I'm not as high on the Hokies. I'm always high on Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. I'm not as high this year because of that depth. Um, you know, recruiting has dipped the last couple of years. They've had some key transfers, but I think the starting 22 is pretty good. And in game one, I'm not as concerned about that depth. Um, I think. You know, last year, the Hokies had some really bad injury and COVID luck, like, like Minnesota. Um, so I don't think they were as bad as maybe their record would indicate. So if the Braxton Burmeister at quarterback from the end of last year shows up when he was, was playing pretty well, <laughs> then I think they've got the, the weapons at receiver to help him out. And I think it'll be a competitive game at home competitive. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take North Carolina. I think Sam Howell, uh, is going to make that offense good no matter what i know they have some some uh some skill pieces to replace but i'm not going to kind of overreact to that because they're still good talent the de- the defense for north carolina is the side that i think is going to take a big jump uh there's talent everywhere and i really like their defensive line and the front seven in particular they got the the fox duo it's going to be really good miles murphy at d tackle i think it's going to take a big leap as a sophomore i think braxton Burme- burmeister uh and that virginia tech line which will be a little green I think they're going to have some trouble with that that good defensive front. And I like the, the two corners, Storm Duck and Tony Grimes. So it's going to be tough to throw on them as well. I like UNC here. I know. I mean, Ryan, you make a compelling case. So there's all those those names that are you know, highly regarded guys, but it's an awful short number for the 10th-ranked team facing an unranked Hokie squad. So I'm going to take the home dog. I think Lane Stadium is just going to be rocking you know, Sam Howell is the man, but he still does have to develop the chemistry with those those new weapons. Uh, not saying he won't over the year. I, I, I bet he will. But uh, it's a good time to, to face them, so I think the Hokies can keep it close. And one of the guys they're counting on to be that big weapon for, for Howell, uh, Bo Corrales at receiver, you know, he's, he's experienced. He's going to be out this game. So uh, 
not only replacing their top two receivers from last year, but also Bo Corrales. So we'll see what happens there. But moving on to Saturday, we start with Penn State at Wisconsin. Badgers are favored five and a half, Trey. This is one of those games that was difficult for me to handicap because I really do believe that both teams are going to bounce back from dreadful years last year, at least by their standards. I'm ultimately going to take the the home team Badgers here. Um, I Their defense should be lights out this year. SP Plus actually ranks them as the second best in the country, you know, preseason. Offensively last year, it's been it's been well documented. They had injuries, COVID interruptions to the skill positions. wasn't ideal for a freshman quarterback with with no off season. Now with a year under his belt, Graham Mertz I think will look more like he did in that that first game last year where he lit up lit it up when he had a full complement of weapons. I'm a little more reluctant backing Sean Clifford as you know he's just had his ups and downs over his career, and now he's going on the road in a raucous Madison. I think he'll look more like 2019. But I just want to see it first. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I'm I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take uh, Penn State. Um, you know, both both squads have plenty coming back. You know, obviously a lot of question marks offensively. But I also have my doubts about Graham Mertz, um, even though I do expect him to be better with some more consistency around him. Um, but the, the end of the year was pretty, pretty bad for him. Um, you know, Sean Clifford, I don't expect him to be great, but he's the he's the guy this year. There is no Will Levis behind him kind of rotating maybe potentially. I think Sean Clifford will uh, have certainly be the guy, and, I'm, you know, I think he'll play just fine. But I do see Penn State really relying on their ground game. They got a good group of running backs. Office line should be fine. So I think this game will be a short, low-scoring game. Both teams are going to try to pound it. Um, I see it being the high teens, low 20s, just a absolute dogfight. Oh, Michael shaking his head at me? Huh? Huh? No. Oh, was I shaking my head? No. You I'm, were. You just, maybe you know, I was just like my head because I'm, like, I'm just like, yeah. I don't know what I'm going to say about this game because you are echoing everything I want to say. Oh, well. Okay, it's a great. natural reaction for uh, him to shake his head at you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, wow. I get why you're upset. <laughs> I was now. shaking my head. I was just like, God, I material. could say this so much harder and so much better than him. <laughs> <laughs> Finish it then, Mike. Go for it. <laughs> no, I mean, that's exactly my thought. I think it's going to be a low scoring <laughs> game and five and a half yeah. points pretty valuable in a game like that. Exactly. That's my thought. Thank you. All Penn right. State it is. Uh, all right. Was it me next? Sorry. Yes. Ooh, the good one. All right. We got. Uh, <laughs> you get right the listeners can't wait to time. hear what it is. Yeah. Uh, Alabama is favored 19 and a half against Miami in Atlanta. Uh, so, Michael, what are you thinking here? And I'll give you a better thought about it later. Sure. I'm sure you will. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like every other year, Alabama is in a kind of a marquee opener uh, against a non-conference opponent and we talk ourselves into it being a close game maybe they could they can threaten alabama and it's like usc like usc thanks for bringing that up specifically ryan (laughs) Uh, 52 to 6 i think that score was was that was great that was i was on vacation at the time too that really ruined my Mm. trip but uh (laughs) but i will say it feels like the market is kind of adjusting to that uh, this year i mean 19 and a half is a pretty big spread it doesn't need to be a close game for Miami to get the cover so I'm going to take those points uh, Miami is a, a very experienced team I love Derek King and supposedly he's fully healthy we'll have to see it on the field but uh, seems to uh, the recovery seems to have gone very well from that uh, Achilles tear he had at the end of last year he's in year two of Rhett Lashley's system they've added Charleston Rambo who I think is a really good weapon at receiver so even though of course I expect Alabama to reload and I'm sure Bryce Young is going to have a huge year like Trey said, going up, going against Ohio State. If you're if you're going to pick against Bama, 
early is probably the time to do it while all those new pieces on offense are getting acclimated. Yeah, I I had, I have very similar thoughts as you because I just look and I say, man, this number, that's high. Because uh, especially that, that Kane's offense, it, it made great strides last year uh, in, in Lashley's system, like you mentioned. To me, the, the matchup to watch is the great Alabama linebackers against Derek King. Uh, if they force him to purely be a pocket passer, then it could be tough sledding because but 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 I, the way I look at it is I think he's more than capable of improvising and making a couple plays to keep it within that that 19 and a half. Uh, you know, overall, I, I know Bama is Bama. They'll be exceptional on both sides of the ball. But uh, it's Bryce Young's first meaningful snaps against a pretty stout Miami defense who should have a strong secondary led by Bubba Bolden. And let's not forget, Bama, I know they just reload, but they're replacing Steve Sarkeesian, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, three offensive linemen, Mac Jones, like go on and on. So they're going to be great, but maybe not firing all cylinders in week one. Yeah, that's true. I, I kind of agree with you guys there that I, you got to take that that amount of points when they're going to Alabama's going to have a lot of freshmen and sophomores uh, starting. Um, so maybe there'll be a few little hiccups there for them. But I did say at the beginning that my my spiel would be better than Michael's, and I, I think it still will be because Michael did note that Derek King had an Achilles injury, which is incorrect. Oh, he had an ACL. ACL. I yeah, you know. So. Gosh, you got uh, me there. You just really let the door wow. open for me there, Mike. For, <laughs> I'm, you know, I've <laughs> got. I was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's on me. That's on me. Yeah, you know, you knew he was injured. That doesn't matter. But you know, simple mistake. No big deal. I'm just better. Uh, <laughs> so, we're all, so we're all taking the points. <laughs> Why didn't you say we're it all, right when I said it? Right, you had to wait and just let it. Uh, <laughs> there's listeners that I were just actually, stewing you know on what that I did? one. Like, I just, I, I triple checked it online it before I was like, didn't want to look like a double idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. So so we're all on the dog canes there. Should be a fun one to watch. We've got a, a conference game, another Big Ten conference game to get to. Indiana at Iowa. The Hawkeyes are given three and a half. Ryan, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I like this game. Both teams coming in should have solid defenses. I know Iowa's might not be as good as it was last year in the past few years, but it should still be good. They obviously lost a lot up front. Um, but when has Iowa had a bad defense? It's been a while. Um, so to me, I think this game comes down to which offense really can get things going, which one I like better. And I, I got to give Indiana the edge on offense. Michael Penix is just a better QB at this point than Spencer Petrus, who, you know, he did a better towards the end of last year, but he still hasn't shown, you know, super explosive plays at this point. So, um, you know, Indiana's got some solid line. I like their skill positions should be good. I think it's going to be a very close game. Again, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game. Um, but I'll, I'll take that, that points with Indiana. Yeah. I, I expected to be taking Iowa here because I'm, I'm pretty low on Indiana. I think relative to the, like the general yeah. college football fan this year, but the betting market seems pretty low on Indiana too. Um, so I am, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take the Hoosiers to get the cover. I, I need to see an improved Spencer Petras at quarterback before I, I make a bet on Iowa here. Um, maybe the reports out of practice are true because he's been getting rave reviews. They've been saying that he's taken that next step, which for all I know could be true, but he wasn't efficient last year. He loses some of his best receivers. So yep. Hoosiers. I'm going with Iowa. I, I, I don't love giving over a field goal with that offense like you guys mentioned, but they do have that solid defense. Indiana, to me, just had a bit of luck last year, and I just want to see if Penix is fully healthy, back to his old self. Uh, and and the other thing is, I feel like people are 
only focused on Wisconsin in the West, but Iowa could really challenge them. Okay. They're definitely capable. Moving on to Louisiana at Texas. The Longhorns are favored eight. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah. Well, you know, I know Texas, I'm sure, has been hearing it for a long time, how Louisiana is good. So I don't think they're going to be taking them lightly. Um, but Louisiana knows how to step up their game as well uh, against big-time opponents. Of course, we've mentioned it. They won at Iowa State last year. Also, with Louisiana having a, a you know an experienced, good defense, I think they could give uh, the freshman Hudson Court or Hudson Card. Mm. Oops, messed up Court. there. I would, <laughs> much rather confuse an Achilles for an ACL than that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that was bad. Um, so they could give some Hudson Hudson Card a little bit of trouble, I think, in his first start, maybe in a, in a new system offensively. Um, I do think Texas will win this game, but I don't see them winning it easily. Louisiana is not going to go down without a, a big fight. So I got to take the the eight points with Levi Lewis uh, and company. I have similar thoughts, Ryan. Uh, I believe Texas does have too much talent with guys like Bijan Robinson to lose, but I will take the points here. Um, they, we've brought it up before how much returning production they also have. Experienced quarterback Levi Lewis, he should be able to have some success against Texas's unproven defense. Yes, there's their talent, um, but we just don't know how quickly they'll adapt to Pete Kwiatkowski's system. And and you mentioned the veteran defense that Louisiana has. They they did very well against the pass last year. They generated their share of turnovers. Uh, ultimately, though, I do think Sark will have them ready enough to win, but it'll be close. Yep. Three for three. I'm, I'm going with Louisiana as well. Uh, I liked it better when it was like two touchdowns earlier in the offseason. That seemed... Was it like, that high? It was. I think it was pretty close to that. I think so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it but, was double digits. Uh, eight, yeah. Eight's more reasonable. And I get why. It does seem weird even to see eight. It, it does seem kind of high, but Louisiana did have some close games against some not great teams last year. I know they had that big Iowa State win, but they also had some narrow victories that maybe they shouldn't have won. So um, I understand yeah. why the number's where it is, but... I'm just a billion apier stand. So going up against a freshman quarterback, I like yep. the raging Cajuns. All righty. Let's get on to the uh, the big one of the, the weekend here. We got Georgia going up against Clemson. Clemson's favored three. This game's being played in Charlotte. So what are you guys thinking about this one? I mean, we've we've thought about this one all offseason. And <laughs> yeah. personally, I've yeah, we have. <laughs> personally, I've waffled on it all offseason. You know, you ask me right now. I'm going to take the points with Georgia. Uh, you know, I know the knock on, on JT Daniels was that his success last year came against some weaker opponents, and, and that's fair. But he still went out and did it. On top of that, he was coming off injury. No offseason compared to this season. The whole offense is familiar with Todd Munkin's system. Uh, now, I know, you know, Clemson's insane defensive line. They're going to try and cause problems. But Georgia's O line, it's pretty stout. They have the benefit of not being one-dimensional because they have that great run game as well personally i think that is the most important matchup if if the dogs can run the ball i think they'll win but then you also got to talk about georgia's defensive line they could be very productive in this game jordan davis jalen carter they could thrive there's there's even talks because you know clemson they don't even know who's going to start at center at this point i guess my biggest concern overall with georgia is they're not 100 percent healthy um they have a guy like tyke smith he's questionable Whiteout Dominic Blaylock is is doubtful. So those are my concerns, but I'm still going to take the points. Yeah, I thought you made a bunch of good points there. I think a couple months ago, I would have agreed with you. I probably would have been taking three points with Georgia, uh, especially, you know, after getting some of the transfer they 
transfers they did they got tyke smith like you mentioned eric gilbert at receiver um but of course they both might be out certainly gilbert um of course george pickens hurt at receiver dominic blaylock like you mentioned uh, a couple other receivers just weren't fully healthy for fall camp um so i'm i'm just i don't know i i'm not as confident either in their o-line as i have been at least in previous years of course they've got a ton of talent but i going up against that clemson d-line which is maybe the best in the country i don't know i think they could put some pressure on jt daniels so i'm taking clemson i just think they have a bit fewer question marks with especially with all the returning production they have coming back on defense uh so we'll see hopefully the o-line their o-line doesn't cost me because that is you're right with centers supposed to supposed to be rotating in and out that that is a concern yeah, this is a this is tough. It really is. I mean, I like both these teams. I think it'll be um, a very good game, very contested game. So I I could see it going either way. But I'm going to agree with Trey. I am going to take Georgia. Um, and I think the main reason why is just because I think it's possible that they could make Clemson one dimensional with that that defensive line that they have. Um, and we saw Clemson last year kind of was a little one dimensional, even with Travis Etienne who of course went on to the NFL, their running game just wasn't there. Um, and you're going to all of a sudden think you can improve a ton without ETN um, going up against this really great defensive line and uh, front seven from Georgia. That's a tall order. I mean, I know Uyungle is a great passer and he's going to, he obviously showed real well last year, but um, you know, that's just like one concern that I have that gives me a reason to pick Georgia, even though I think it's going to be neck and neck and it's not like yeah. Clemson won't move the ball, but um, and I like Trey's points about JT Daniels, right? Getting a full more off season, maybe a little more comfortable with the system. So maybe he'll be a little sharper, even though he did play well. So I'm looking forward to the game, but I'll take George on the points. Yeah. Honestly, who the heck cares who we're picking? Like, I'm not going to bet this game personally. I'm just going to sit no. back and enjoy. This game is going to be awesome. We got Justin it's Ross just coming two... back too for Clemson. Like, this, yes. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. It's I'm two playoff it. team, two playoff teams. Like no matter what happens, yeah. I probably won't be surprised. All right, another very fun game that we've we've talked a lot about on this podcast all off season, LSU minus three at UCLA. Michael, what uh, what are you thinking? Well, first off, we got to bring up the LSU team. Of course, has been practicing in Houston because of Hurricane Ida. So we hope, of course, all the listeners have been able to stay safe. Anyone uh, has any family out there? Hope everyone's doing well. Um, in this game, I, I like UCLA. Um, in our preview episodes, I talked about. Just how much change there is with LSU's coaching staff for the second year in a row. I know they have the the talent on the roster to be a top 10, top 15 team easily if, if everything comes together. So I acknowledge that's possible, but I just think it's expecting a lot with what was a, a mediocre team last year and so much change. I just, I'm kind of taking the pessimistic view of LSU this year. So um, give me UCLA who has, you know, of course looked very good last week against Hawaii and uh I think is kind of underrated by a lot of people this year. I I hate that this line has come down, so I'm yeah. not as confident as I would like to be, but still I'm gonna make UCLA plus three my lock of the week. All right. All right. Very, very good. Um yeah, this is uh I have similar sentiments, Mike. Uh, you know, I, I was happy to see, at least for UCLA's sake, how well the defense played against against Hawaii. They shut down uh, their quarterback Cordero, who had good moments as a QB, he's not. It's not like Cordero's some chump, um, but they just completely smothered them. So that's a good sign um, for UCLA here. And DTR, the Dorian Thompson Robinson QB for UCLA, he didn't look amazing 
going into the game against Y, of course. He, he had some, some struggles-ish, but we've seen him be really good, especially towards the end of last year. So I'm, I'm just hoping that that was just kind of a one-game kind of tune me up. Um, I think we'll see a little bit better performance here because we've seen it, right? We've seen it from him. So I don't think it's a, it would be a surprise if he had a good game against LSU. Um, I think uh, I'm going to take uh, UCLA with the points as well, and I'm in agreement with Michael. I'm going to make UCLA my lock of the week. Wow. All right. Two of them. Trey, wow, come on. Let's see what's Trey's yeah, analysis here. Well, you guys, we are uh, we are setting ourselves up for some failure because I've got Uh-oh. the Bruins, and they are my lock. Of the <laughs> oh, week. my goodness. Wow. Week yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, we are, wow, we're we... all biting. The, the line has gone down, obviously. But, uh, you know, they've also LSU, their thing, they've been dealing with some offensive injuries during fall camp. I don't know. We're going to get pie on our face after LSU just kind of rolls the Bruins here, I'm sure. <laughs> Maybe. But, uh, Could happen. But I mean, I just think the uh, we've, we've all talked about how we're, we're kind of high on the Bruins this offseason. And week zero kind of helped validate that for me. Ryan, you touched on that their defense really stymieing the Hawaii. Um, obviously, LSU is a different beast. I get that. But hey, they got they kind of got a warm up game and, and going into this one that that could maybe just help them. And I just love how they ran the ball so well. LSU needs to make significant strides on that defensive side of the ball going up against a, a good Bruins offense. So I need them to prove it to me. So we got the Bruins. All right. We'll see if uh, Max Johnson and Kayshawn Boutte for LSU can prove us wrong. But kick, Yeah, kick our Boutte. Oh, very yeah. nice. Yes. <laughs> Sunday, <laughs> we've got Notre Dame minus seven and a half at Florida State. This should be a fun one, too. What are you thinking, Trey? This is weird because all offseason, I really did think I was going to take Florida State. I'm just not high on the Irish by any means, mainly because of the amount of production they're losing this year. But now that I think of it, just in terms of this game, the Irish have still accumulated a lot of talent under Brian Kelly that that I think they can overcome in this week. So I'm going to give the points with the Irish. Uh, The Knowles just have so much to improve upon from a season ago with Mike Norvell. They ranked at or near the bottom in pretty much every defensive category in the ACC. The offense wasn't a whole lot better. And and as we record, we really don't know who's going to start under center. Jordan Travis, he's gifted with his legs, kind of lacked the passing threat. Mackenzie Milton, off for a long time, of course, after his brutal injury at UCF. So situationally, I do think it is the best time to face Notre Dame with some of the inexperience. And it's in Doak Campbell, but I, I still just have too many questions about Florida State. Yeah, I hear your thoughts, and it's this is a tough one for me. I, I really didn't know which way to go, but I, I'm going to take the this the points, the seven and a half with with Florida State. Um, the only reason why I'd say that I just just because Notre Dame, even though they do have talent, like you said, it might take a little while to, for them to gel, and it would be Jack Cohn's first start for them under center. Um, and I just you know FSU first game. I do think they'll give a better effort. And Mike Norvell, remember last year, of course, they just didn't have a full off season to go and learn his system. This year, I know they lost some some pieces, but they brought in some transfers. They have a full off season to work and learn those offensive and defensive systems better. Um, and you know, I, I just think like I like Jack Cohn, but I also don't think he's a game changer. Um, you know, so I don't I don't see them maybe being too explosive. Um, and I just don't know if he's that really an improvement over Ian Book, but. Um, in the end, I think Florida State can do just enough to keep this one close. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I'm taking Florida State with the points for the same reasons. Uh, we we of course, the, I'm sure the listeners know, we kind of went heavy on on YouTube uh, this off season, and 
we we did a Notre Dame episode, and we're of course a, a little bit low on Notre Dame. I think we had them fifteenth or something in our top twenty five. So yeah, like, like not, not crazy like low, dreadfully. but you know, we kind of agreed with the betting market that maybe eight or nine wins is the expectation. And oh my God, we got man, we got roasted. The, we got roasted on YouTube. Yeah. The fans were not happy. I will say, YouTube is a different crowd. Like the podcast listeners I'm talking to right now, you guys are very nice. We get emails from you guys, very friendly. Even if you disagree, you're like, hey, I think Notre Dame will win 10 games for this reason. Totally fair. But man, the, the YouTube comments, like, I'll just show them. Out of control. We were watching the Nebraska game this weekend, and a YouTube comment came in on the Notre Dame game. And it, or on the Notre Dame episode, and it just said, you guys are idiots. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so harsh. Yeah. We're so but, irrational that we're... Yeah. So, there, so you know what? Shove it to those commenters on that video. That's why I'm taking Florida yeah. State here. No, oh, I, that's, wow. not for, no that's not the reason. That's not the I do. I, I am just a Maybe little bit little lower bit. on Notre Dame, I think, than And than they'll be people. playing for Bobby Bowden. That's true. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the uh, the game on Monday night. We got uh, Louisville versus Ole Miss. Ole Miss is favored 10, and this game is being played in Atlanta. Michael, I know where you're going. Do you, Ryan? Do you know where I'm going? I do. So this is a tough one here because I, I love Ole Miss. As you know, Ryan, I have them third in the SEC West, just behind Alabama and A&M. Uh, Matt Corral is going to have a monster year. I love Lane Kiffin. Let's we've got that out of the way. But I also respect Scott Satterfield. I think he's a good coach. And, you know, even though they lose all of their skill talent, which is a concern, I just believe in Satterfield to be able to scheme some explosive plays. He always seems to do that. He's taken back over the offense this year, um, <clears throat> I think, as the sole offensive coordinator. And I see a shootout and maybe a backdoor cover from Louisville. So give me the Cardinals plus the mm. points. Wow. Okay, so Ole Miss, they should win, but I'm going to also take the points with Louisville. I just There's a lot of hype this offseason on Ole Miss, and people are just kind of writing off Louisville after their disappointing season a year ago, uh, you know, after they had some expectations. You know, I, I'm not seeing Louisville's defense having much success against that Ole Miss offense, um, but he does, you know, uh, Matt Corral does lose his best receiver, Elijah Moore, but, I, you know, he's still got weapons like Jerry Ely, who's going to be outstanding. But uh, I could see defensive lineman Yaya Diaby for Louisville making a couple plays. And Satterfield, he spoke highly of Malik Cunningham going into this game, saying he likes the progression he's made into the system and said he's really primed to have a good year. So I'm going to buy that coach speak and, and say they'll keep it under the 10. Yeah, I don't pay attention to coach speak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's total BS. All right, I am going the other way. I'm taking Ole Miss, boys. I think their offense is just better. I think Matt Corral is a true dual threat where Cunningham, I don't think he, with the skill talent that he lost, will be able to throw the ball all that well. I think there'll, there'll be some struggles there. And I think Ole Miss, while obviously their defense wasn't good last year, I think it will be improved. Um, so I trust Ole Miss's offense more than Louisville's, and I think I probably would prefer Ole Miss's defense going up into this year. Just too much uh, production loss for the for, for the uh, Louisville. So, yep, give me Ole Miss. Okay, we've uh, we got four uh, highly ranked big favorites here that I want to get your guys' thoughts on. So tell me which of these games is most intriguing to you. So we've got Tulane at Oklahoma, Sooners favorite 31 and a half. And this game, of course, changed venues uh, because of Hurricane Ida. We've got FAU at Florida, Gators favored 23 and a half. Kent State at Texas A&M, minus 28 and a half. 
And finally, Fresno State at Oregon, minus 20 and a half. Okay. Uh, All right. I am going to go with Fresno State at Oregon. And the reason why I chose this one uh, is because I really want to see how Oregon's offense looks. Um, Fresno State's defense just pitched a shutout in week zero. I know it was Connecticut, but still a shutout, which is not easy to do. So they've obviously got some some talent. And I just want to see if Joe Moorhead has Anthony Brown in that offense operating at a playoff caliber level. If they are, then they should be able to move the ball. No problem. Put up 40 plus points and look good, whatever it is. Um, but if we see some, a little bit of the hiccups, I'm going to be a little concerned. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how that offense looks with a full system, full year under the system and, uh, all that great talent. And if it is, if it does end up being a blowout, then we might get to see Ty Thompson, Ty I would Thompson. think at the end of the yeah. game too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this is a tough question because I'm interested in seeing Emory Jones for Florida and how, how that offense looks with obviously a ton of new pieces. Same, same thing for, uh, Anthony Brown at quarterback for Oregon, but there are two quarterbacks I really want to see in Kent State at Texas A&M. You've got Haynes King getting his his first start uh, for the Aggies, and the, and he kind of just decides the ceiling for this team. Like, is A&M going to be, you know, kind of a borderline top ten team, or are they going to be a legit national title contender? I think Haynes King is maybe the difference there. And then on the other side, you've got Dustin Crum, who we I feels like we've talked about him for the last couple of years as one of the more underrated players in the country, really good quarterback. So uh, he's obviously in over his head a little bit going up against one of the best defenses in the country, but that's fun. You get to kind of see like, Hey, this guy who lights up the Mac, let's see what he can do against a great defense. Yep. I totally agree with, with that. Uh, I guess I'll also say Fresno state, Oregon, because Oregon should win of course, but they're also looking ahead to Ohio state next week. Um, we're going to, and we'll also be able to see how legit that ducks defense is because Fresno's offense does pose a little bit of a threat. Jake Hayner just had a monster game last week. Ronnie rivers is a strong running back. Kalen DeBoer could game plan them to keep it competitive. If Oregon isn't a hundred percent focused. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's, uh, get to some honorable mentions, some other big games that didn't quite make the, uh, make the cut for all three of us analyzing. That's right. So we got. Leading off, we got Michigan State at Northwestern on Friday. Northwestern is given three. I'm going to take Michigan State. A lot of people just think, oh, Northwestern was in the Big Ten title last year and Michigan State was dreadful. But Northwestern just loses so much from that team, including uh, Peyton Ramsey at quarterback. Their best running back went down with injury. The offense could really struggle. So year two for Sparty and Mel Tucker. I'm going to take them and and their defense in, uh, in this one. Nevada at Cal. Cal's given three. I'm going to take the Cal Bears. Uh, Nevada, is they're talented on offense. They got Carson Strong. He's a top prospect at quarterback. You got Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cooks on the outside. But I think Justin Wilcox's defense with guys like outside linebacker Cameron Good will, will help slow down that Nevada attack. And Nevada's also been dealing with, with the fires. They've been practicing at Stanford, ironically, the past couple weeks. So I, I could see Chase Garbers uh, looking better in his second year in their system. And then finally, BYU is given 12.5 versus Arizona in Las Vegas. Initially, this line surprised me in the offseason, thought it was too high, but I started to realize Jed Fish has quite the challenge ahead of him in Tucson. And BYU, despite losing Zach Wilson, there's still talent left. Um, the Arizona isn't settled on a quarterback. They're, they're going to do a dual system. They're relying on a lot of transfers. Just a lot of new new that I just don't like uh, to a team that was already so bad last year. So I'm going to take the Cougars. 
Yeah, I, I think Jaron Hall could have a pretty good year for, for BYU at quarterback, so I like that pick. Uh, first game for me, I got Western Michigan at Michigan. Wolverines favored 17. They'll obviously be improved this year, but I guess how much is the question? We just, I don't know how good Kate McNamara is yet at quarterback. I don't know if Josh Gaddis's offense is, is going to really click yet. So, uh, and I know Western Michigan has a good offense. Caleb Ellaby had a great year last year, one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football. So I think they can hang in there and, and cover the 17. Uh, Texas Tech minus one at Houston. You've got Tyler Shuck in his first game for Texas Tech going up against Clayton Toon. And Dana Holgerson needs to have a good year this year. He's been accumulating talent, adding transfers. He tried that red shirt thing the first year and hasn't <laughs> been working out so far. But I think the, the accumulation of talent kind of pays off this year finally. I think they're, they've got a really good pass rush. I think they'll get after Shuck and make his, his first game uh, a little bit difficult. So taking the Cougs there and then Stanford at Kansas State Wildcats are favored three I think K-State is maybe getting a little bit undervalued going into this year because Will Howard was just very bad at quarterback for them last year <laughs> uh, with Skylar Thompson healthy I think it's a completely different team so I, I like them over Stanford who still isn't sure who's going to start at quarterback or at least they haven't told us as of this recording um, yeah. and they're just kind of headed the wrong direction as a program agreed all right, moving on to my team, uh, my games here. I got a good one here first. Uh, San Jose State at USC. I got USC favored 14. The reigning Mountain West champs, San Jose State, took care of business against Southern Utah in Week 0. Uh, should be a major challenge, though, for the Trojans. Nick Starkle, quarterback for San Jose, was great last year, good in Week 0. Cade Hall, really good defensive end for the, for the Spartans, can get after the quarterback. Ten sacks last year, so USC's better come ready to play, or else this one, uh, this one could go go to the Spartans so um, but I'm gonna take San Jose State uh, to cover it I think USC will win though um, all right moving on to I got Oregon State at Purdue Purdue's favored seven Beavers have to replace a stud running back in Jamar Jefferson which is no easy task but they do have plenty of other starters returning um, and I've been impressed by what head coach Jonathan Smith has been able to do so far there in Corvallis I think he's got a competitive team Purdue's gonna have a good offense I think no doubt Jack Palmer should be a good quarterback especially through the air just don't trust the defense. All right. So I think Purdue will be able to move. The, I mean, I think Oregon State will be able to move the ball on them. Um, so I'm going to take that touchdown uh, and take the Beavers. My last game is West Virginia at Maryland. West Virginia's favorite three. Looking forward to this game. I think both teams are going to be improved. Uh, we got Tagovailoa going up against Jared Dagey as far as the QB battle. I like West Virginia's program a little bit better right now. I trust. Uh, um, uh, Neil Brown. Neil Brown. Yeah, thank you. You got me on that one, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I like Neil Brown. I think they're heading in the right direction. Defense ha definitely loses some key pieces, some transfers like Tyke Smith going to Georgia, but I still think they have enough there to have a, a solid team. So, give uh, I'll take I'll give the three points with West Virginia. Neil Brown coming off of an Achilles injury as well. I, I hear so. We'll see about that. <laughs> wow, that's a big factor. All right, let's uh, close out this episode with the triumphant return of the questionable finish. News broke last week that LSU and USC will match up in Vegas to start out the 2024 season. We're going to be there, by the way. All three bros are going to be there, guaranteed. Uh, what Live odds show. would I need to give you for you to bet that Clay Helton and Coach O are the two head coaches in that game? I mean, Coach O would be entering his ninth year. Clay would be entering his 10th. You know, nowadays, like in today's game, there's only like 10% of the coaches have, have lasted that long. 
and we need both of them there. Uh, two high pressure jobs. I don't know. I would say I would need 20 to one odds that they're both there three, three years from now. Coach O would be entering his ninth year. That seems crazy. Wow. Um, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I So sorry. What did you say? What odds did you need? 20. 20. I'd say 20 to one. Yeah. I think I might agree with you there. Like, I don't know if those are like the actual true odds. It might be something lower than that, but yeah. For me to make a bet that doesn't pay out for that long, like you're going to need to give me a premium there. So 20 to 1 sounds yep. good to me. I didn't quite go as high. I put mine at 15 to 1, which is, you know, I don't know, still pretty high, I guess. But yeah, that's uh, three full seasons away from now uh, that they would have to last. That's tough, especially when you got two coaches that aren't necessarily in the best of graces at this current moment. All right, what's your favorite hate comments that we received from our off-season YouTube episodes? Yeah, mine was a classic. Uh, some I forget what episode it was. I should look back. But I know the person said, uh, Ryan is living in a $500 apartment. <laughs> he doesn't have any clue what will happen. <laughs> oh. Oh. What does my apartment have to do with it? Man. <laughs> That's rough, right? That's rough, man. Ouch. Yeah, my. Um, oops, brutal. My, I wish it was uh, let's see. There's there were a lot of good hate comments. One fan thought we were too low on his favorite team and said, "Do you guys do any research? You're embarrassing yourselves." <laughs> which is unfortunately kind of funny on two levels because it was Nebraska, which we are, of course, <laughs> very you know diehard fans. And uh, it's, well, not very funny, but I guess, you know, they lost. So maybe he was probably talking about me because I was down on him, huh? Like, yeah, no, exactly. He was, he thought we were too low. So uh, turns out maybe, maybe we weren't low enough. I don't know. Uh, I think they just, those guys, those fans, they just don't quite, sometimes they just don't quite understand what you got on your team, right? You you have that positive thinking, right? It's tough. It's hard to go against. All right. So you got, I got one that was saying Keaton Slovith. Keaton Slovis. Keaton Slovis, the eleventh <laughs> really? best, eleventh best QB. You're putting kids who never played ahead of him, like Bryce Young, who decommitted because he saw he would never start with Slovis there. You're a bunch of uneducated hicks. Quit this channel, <laughs> LMAO. That's that was what we got. We are a bunch uneducated, of uneducated hicks. hicks because he hasn't played a snap. That's the only reason. That, that's ridiculous. Like, oh, oh yeah, I like that. Entirely one. That's irrational. Great. Oh my god. Alright, let's get to our upset specials. We gotta pick a seven plus point underdog to win outright. And you know, what do I know? I'm an uneducated hick, but I think that <laughs> Keen Slovis and the USC Trojans have a chance to go down against San Jose State. So that's my pick, the Spartans, mm. to get the outright win. I think that pass rush of San Jose State is gonna cause issues for a questionable USC offensive line. And Ryan, you brought up Nick Starkle at quarterback. He's very, very good. So I, as yeah. a USC fan and an uneducated, I can't even say it, uneducated hick. <laughs> so it's true. I am not uh, not taking this this game for granted. No. All right. I'm going to uh, circle back to that Labor Day game. Louisville catching about 10 against Ole Miss in Atlanta. I just, that Ole Miss defense worries me a little bit. I think that Louisville team, they underachieved a year ago, maybe a little undervalued. Malik Cunningham could generate some offense to pull the upset. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the Beavers. Uh, they're they're uh, getting seven at Purdue, so it's obviously a pretty close spread. 
Um, but I just don't, you know, again, I don't trust Purdue's offense and or Purdue's defense. And Brian Brom or Jeff Brom, wow, what is up with that? <laughs> week one. We're in week one form, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to pick up my game here. A little rusty. Uh, Jeff Brom kind of just hasn't been able to put together put it together yet. All right, so maybe, maybe it just won't happen. Certainly possible. But I'm going to go with Jonathan Smith and the, the Beavers. All right, that'll do it for our week one preview episode. It was a struggle at times, you know, an Achilles instead of an ACL, a Brian instead of a Jeff. Trey was perfect, I think. So, you know, Trey Trey was botless. But uh, if you enjoy the podcast... He did say uh, uh, Sloveth. Oh, that's but, true. You know. That's true. We'll get there. There's, there's, a, there's <laughs> another Trey. Uh, but yeah. no, if you like the show, help us spread the word. Uh, post about us to your Instagram story. We'll restory that, whatever it's called. Uh, retweet us on Twitter. Give us a five-star review. All that stuff helps us out, helps spread the word. So thank you. And most importantly, enjoy week one. Yes. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.